We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm with Jason Pat. Jason, a crazy week for the Bulls. We got Luke Cornett starting. We got Cristiano Felicio rotation minutes. <laughs> and less surprisingly, we got a 2-2 two and two record where the Bulls lost to the two good teams they played and beat the two bad teams they played. Uh, of course, it wasn't easy because it never is with the Bulls. They are now uh, three and a half games out of the eight seed in the Eastern Conference as we start recording this. That would be the Nets, who have also really been struggling lately. They lost by like 20 or 30 last night to the Bucks. I think. Uh, the Bulls are 16-28 and 28 overall, uh, and they're also behind the Pistons in the standings, too, by half a game. So uh, right now the Bulls are the 10th seed in the East. Uh, this was a pretty in- this was a pretty fun week, I think, just because of that Cavs game yesterday. Uh, did you pay attention to that comeback? Uh, I know that oh, they were down nineteen in the late in the third quarter, and then in the fourth quarter, obviously a ton of Zach Levine. We're going to talk about a lot about Zach Levine on this podcast. So he's pushing for an All Star berth. He scored I said twenty one points of his uh, forty two points in the fourth quarter, and obviously the Cavs also. Uh, kind of, they choked. I mean, the, the the Bulls have had a few games like this this year against some of these bad teams where they just pulled wins. I know they've they've had their share of also choke jobs, but like this is kind of reminiscent, I guess, of that Wizards game where the Wizards just couldn't do anything down the stretch for a long portion in the fourth quarter. It's basically what happened with, with the Cavs yesterday. I think they went something. It was a 15 point game going into the fourth quarter, and then the Cavs had a bucket early in the fourth, and it was they were up 14, and then they went something like five minutes, I think, straight without scoring at all. So it was like a 104 90 game turned into, I think, the Bulls came back and took the lead, and then it was kind of back and forth down the stretch. Zach Levine, obviously, crazy shot making, as I said, and they pull it. I mean, it's just, just, and after the game when they did it, it was just such a weird. Another just weird feeling, like, you feel good for Zach, like, it's a it's a fun game to watch, he puts up all these points, he's making this all-star push, but, again, this they were down 19 to, to the fucking Cavs, who are, they're 12-31, and 31. they're absolutely horrible, 
and the Cavs were just roasting the Bulls all night long until they all of a sudden they just fell apart. They were throwing the ball all over the place. I think they had like 26 total turnovers for the game, and I think that was double digits in the fourth quarter. Just obviously the Bulls deserve some credit for not mailing it in. They've had again they that's one thing that they've, that they've done pretty well this year is that they don't just give up and roll over when they easily could have, considering how well the Cavs are shooting, how well the, the Cavs are roasting them defensively. They forced a bunch of turnovers, scoring all those turnovers that helped them get back in the game and helped them win. But again, it just it's just like hard to feel like great about them. Like again, they they win two games. They beat the Wizards again earlier in this week. Zach Levine outplayed Bradley Beal. But I mean, you beat the Wizards and you beat the Cavs, and then you play real teams. They basically got blown out by Boston, uh, and they lost by 11. They only scored 89 points in Philly. So it's just the same thing. They're there's something like one in 17 against teams above 500. They've been slaying bums great lately. I just looked it up. I think they're like 9 and 4, 9 and 5 since the beginning of December against sub 500 teams. So like since that they lost those like Warriors games, they've basically been taking care of business against bad teams and teams that are playing crappy. So it's like So like, I mean, I guess it's okay that they're not a complete joke, but like they're basically a few Zach, Zach Levine miracle games away from being right there with the Cavs. I mean, they like said they're 16 and 28. Like that Hornets game, that Wizards game, that Cavs game, like where they just completely pull games out of their butt. They lose maybe two of those instead, and you're looking at a team that's 14 and 30 right now, and just like a complete disaster. If they, I mean, if they would have actually lost the game last night, I mean, we're looking at 15 29, they got the Bucks uh, on Monday. So it's like, I don't even know what to think of this team. I feel good for Zach Levine. Again, we're going to talk about him and his All Star case a lot. It's nice to see him playing well. He's averaging like almost 31 a game this month, but overall, in terms of like the Bulls as a team and where they're going, just like, just kind of more of the same. I think they're just kind of meandering along. They're, I think they're probably going to get like the nine seed. I don't know. What do you What are you feeling about how the Bulls yeah, are looking just, right now? Yeah, it's just like you said, more of the same. So their record against teams with that currently have a five hundred or better record is one in seventeen. They yeah. beat the Clippers in that one game without Kawhi, without Lou Williams, without Pat Bev. That was the only time the Bulls have beat a, a legitimately good team. All season, one and seventeen, completely pathetic. You look at where they've gotten their wins combined against the Wizards, the Hawks, and the Pistons. They're nine and zero, so that's nine of their sixteen wins. And I don't think they play any of those three teams again the rest no, of the yeah, way. No, I think they're done. And they beat the Grizzlies. They beat the Grizzlies a couple times early, early in the year. One of those games was without John Morant. And the Grizzlies are playing much better now. The other one was a huge Kobe White game, huge Zach Levine game, where they, I think, they were down like thirteen or fourteen. Kobe got hot in the second half and went off, and they pulled that one out on the road. So, yeah, I mean, they—I mean, it just simply—they don't—they haven't beaten anybody, anybody good. And the Clippers game—we've we've talked about this before—was like the Clippers got in super late, and then and like and Doc Rivers was mad about their schedule and how it got changed the night before. So like they have one win again—they've come close. They were competitive in a few games. There was that Raptors game, the Heat game that went to overtime. So they've come close, but still, like they're one in seventeen against teams above five hundred. So it's just like. Like what are we even doing here? Like they're they have some of these fun games that they bum slay a bit, but ultimately in terms of like ever, actually having actually any actual success, like no, and they are still in this playoff race because like you said the, the Nets are a complete joke right now. I think they're eighteen and twenty three. The Magic just lost to the Warriors, so like they're just right above the Nets. I think and they did have a nice win against the Lakers. Markel Fultz played really well, so that was cool to see. But they've lost a couple in a row now, I think as well. So like the Bulls are just going to stay in this kind of in this playoff race by virtue of beating bad teams and the other teams just not there's not any good so like i i tweeted i tweeted about this again last night after they win this game like it just feels and i think i mentioned this last week in the pod it feels like they're just on track to win like low 30s be kind of in this playoff race 
and they think that everything's fine and that they made like well was, well we took care of business against bad teams all year so that's like a great step in our development like now we're just gonna have to work on beating the good teams and they're gonna think it's totally fine and that feels like it'd be like the worst case scenario <laughs> Yeah, so that brings us to Zach Levine. So yeah. Zach Levine on the on the month in January is averaging thirty a game on fifty percent shooting from the field, eighty one percent foul shooting, thirty seven percent three point shooting. That's in the month of January on the season. He's averaging twenty five a game now. Uh, so really, what do the Bulls want to accomplish the rest of this year? From the organization's perspective, they would love for Zach Levine to be an all-star. Oh, yeah. If you've watched the Bulls game recently, they are really pushing Levine for all-star hard. Obviously, the game's in Chicago this year. I think that it would help the Bulls save face a little bit in the Jimmy Butler trade to say they were able to acquire an all-star. Uh, from Zach's perspective, he's been talking openly about wanting to have that honor. He said that he's more likely to participate in the dunk contest if he's selected for the actual game. Now, I've always liked Zach, dating back to his days at UCLA. Uh, um, I think it would be great for him to make the All-Star game personally. It would probably be good, too, for the Bulls in terms of Zach's trade value moving forward. You look at someone like D'Angelo Russell last year saying uh, that he's an All-Star point guard or whatever. Him and Levine are a little similar, I think, in terms of how they get their numbers, but also how it comes at a cost of like impact on winning. Uh so I think it would be good for Levine to be an all-star, right? Yeah. I'm looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference right now, and these are the players that are almost certainly going to get in. So we got Kemba Walker. We got Trey Young, who I don't think Trey Young's case is really that good, but he is the leading vote-getter right now amongst Eastern Conference guards. We're going to mark him as safe for now, and we can circle back to that later if you want to. Yeah. We got Giannis, we got Jimmy, and we got Embiid rounding out the starting lineup. Then on the bench, I think Ben Simmons is a lock, yep. Siakam's a lock, Jason Tatum's a lock, Bam Adebayo's a lock, Chris Middleton should be a lock. So then you have two spots left. I think there's five guys who could get these two spots, and we'll run through them. The first one's Zach Levine. Then we have DeMontis Sabonis, we have Malcolm Brogdon, we have Bradley Beal, and we have D. Rose. So... You would think the Pacers should get an All Star. They should. Right? They'll get at least one. I'm. I know Brogdon's missed some time. Uh, I would guess that one of those guys will go for sure. I'm not sure which one, but I think one of them will go. Because what are they, I mean, they're like 25. They're on pace for over 50 wins, and they haven't had Oladipo all year, and they've had a ton of injuries. Like, so they they definitely deserve to get at least one guy. So then we have Bradley Beal, who's putting up huge offensive numbers. He's averaging 27.2 a game. It's a little more than Levine's 25 a game. Uh, obviously, he's also on a really bad team, similar to Levine, an even worse team than Levine. And very quietly, Bradley Beal is grading out as one of the worst defensive players in the NBA this year. His defensive metrics are significantly worse than Levine's. PIPM, which is one of the best uh, advanced stats, it gives sort of an offensive and defensive rating where zero is average. Beal's defense is negative four right now, which is terrible. Levine's is negative 1.93, so also not very impressive. But uh, Beal, really good offensive player, obviously averaging 27 a game. He's putting up a plus 2.75 offensive PIPM. Levine's at 1.83. I think given the fact that Beal's defense is so bad and that his team is so bad, I think you can make a case for Levine. So if it's up to me, I would have Sabonis get one of those spots. And I think Levine deserves the other one. I think so. Because uh, then it's like him versus Brogdon, Beal, or D. Rose. I think that, you know, you can... Did you mention... Have you mentioned Kyle Lowry? 
I haven't mentioned Lowry. He was hurt for a while. He did obviously. play. He's at him and Siakam have both played like just over thirty games. Uh, Lowry's at twenty points, eight assists, four and a half rebounds. He's obviously like the heart and soul of that team. Like, and he's got just like the pedigree. Like, I do wonder if, like, especially if, like, how is the voting working? And obviously, like, fan voting's part of it, and then the coaches vote the reserves. Is that still how it works? Yeah, it all counts as. I think the fan voting counts as fifty percent. Right. Yeah. Two count as fifty percent. Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, I could see the coaches vote in a guy like Lowry yeah. just because like of what he means to the Raptors, and the Raptors are still really good, even though Kawhi's gone, Danny Green's gone, and both Siakam and Lowry have missed time. So, I mean, we the Beal case is interesting. Levine's outplayed him both games. Obviously, I mentioned that first Wizards game was they that huge comeback. Beal was terrible in that game. It was awful all game. He hit that finally hit the one shot that looked like it was gonna be the game winner in regulation, but then. Uh, there was the stupid fouls that they committed, and Levine hit all those free throws. Chris Dunn basically locked up Beal that game, and then this past week, Levine outplayed Beal again in another Bulls win. It was this was another game where the Bulls they were losing in the fourth quarter, uh, and then Levine kind of went off again uh, down the stretch. Uh, so I mean, Levine head to head's been better. Uh, I said that Beal does have those scoring numbers, but his efficiency, I'm pretty sure, has been down in general. I know you mentioned that as. Uh, PIPM offensively has been really good, but I'm pretty sure he's only shooting like 31, 32% from three this year. So, yeah, his yeah. three-point shooting is down. His true shooting, Beals, is 55.5. Levine's is 57.1. So yeah. Levine is a little bit more efficient as a scorer this year. And I, 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 but there's a, that's another case where I do wonder if just like Beals, just like track record helps him. But I, he's also, they also got, he, has, he came out, he was apparently really pissed after that, after that Bulls game. He was talking about like the culture and stuff. I wonder if... Maybe if he's like grousing, and if that and obviously the Wizards are really bad, if they'll hold that against him, like I don't know, Levine, you could definitely make the case for Levine over Beal, but I do, I do wonder. I think, I think what's going to hurt Levine's case, uh, he hasn't been that. I, I haven't actually added all these numbers up, but if you look at the Bulls, we talk about their one and seventeen record against bad teams. He actually, he obviously had a big. I'm just looking at some of like the, the his uh, numbers here. He obviously put up pretty big numbers against the. Uh, Celtics last week, but like and like during the stretch, while the Bulls only like three and six or three and seven this month, uh, Levine has been putting up pretty big numbers. But especially the, he got off to a bad start, and that hurt the Bulls because the Bulls got off to a bad start. He's had a few clunk, like he has not played well against the Bucks. Uh, there was that back to back against the, the both games against the Heat. He was really bad, and he was obviously uh, pulled from that one game. And there was that game against the Raptors. Uh, that back to back against the, the the Heat Raptors, where Zach had five of nineteen shooting, six of eighteen shooting. Uh, so he's had a few clunkers against really good teams. Like I said, he's been a bit better against better teams lately just because he's been on fire in general this month. And I guess if you look to start the year uh, against the Jazz, to start like 2020, he was 9 of 26 in a close loss. So he was a little better in that game. So like, he's obviously putting up great numbers. You just do wonder like if people look at him as like an empty, still an empty stats guy because the Bulls are not good. And because if you look at this, his, game, his uh, shooting or his just performance against good teams, is obviously is just not even close to what it is against some of these bums. So like, I do wonder if he's going to be viewed as like a bum slayer and just like a guy who gets buckets on a bad team. Which I feel like, I mean that's the case against him, but it, compared to some of these other guys, I do do wonder if they're going to go with like the winners instead. Yeah, Lowry is an interesting name. I didn't actually have him on my original list of five, but Lowry has for sure been a way more impactful player. He should get extra credit for winning the championship last year. 
just historically, he's just a much yeah. better player than Zach. Like, no doubt about it. Kyle Lowry is one of the most underrated players of his generation. Uh, and he probably does deserve an all-star nod, all things considered, because the Raptors have been really good this year without Kawhi. And uh, it, when he's been in the game, he's been when he's been healthy enough to play, he's been awesome. So uh, that's basically what Zach is up against. I think that you can probably make a case for him and Sabonis getting the last two spots. But if it's between you know Levine, Beal, and Rose, I think Levine has a pretty strong argument. If you throw Lowry in there, uh, Kyle Lowry from Toronto, then it gets tougher for Levine. Yeah, I, I, that's. I think that he he honestly might be like the thirteenth guy. So like maybe if there's like a replacement, he ends up getting in or something. But he definitely feels like because I, like you said, I think one Pacers guy is going to go. They need one All Star, and then it'll probably be yeah, like Lowry and Siakam will probably both make it. And that the Trey Young thing is also obviously he's leading. He's leading, I think, still in Eastern Conference. I would his numbers are so huge, even though the Hawks are. Such trash, and his defense is so bad. I feel like his numbers are so huge that if it was just like Trey versus Levine, I think I'd probably still go with Trey because what is he's at? Well, like twenty-eight points a game and like eight or nine assists a game. So just the, the fact that he and their offense goes from like pretty damn good with him to just like historically bad without him. So it's like it's obviously not all his fault that the Hawks are whatever like 10, 10 wins this year, whatever they are. The Bulls have beat their ass three times. So like. I would probably take Trey over Levine still if it was just them head to head. Obviously, with the voting, I think he's he seems like a lock either way. Yeah, right now it feels like Levine's going to be like the the next guy out after the top twelve. Well, Embiid's hurt right now. Maybe like Embiid's supposed to be back before the All Star game, but uh, maybe that's one that could be an injury replacement. But yeah, I don't know. Like the Bulls are really pushing for Levine now. You know, the unspoken part of this is like. We don't want the Bulls to feel some semblance of joy. We don't want John Paxson to be like, yeah, I acquired an all-star for Jimmy Butler. No, because that trade, whether Levine makes the all-star team or not, the trade remains just as bad as it's always been, right? Like, Levine is what he is. He's a really good secondary scoring option. The Bulls have miscast him as a number one option, and he's just not a good enough decision maker on a consistent basis or a good enough two-way player to actually impact the team and boost him up the standings in terms of wins. He has bailed him out with his offense countless times. He is a basically an unguardable offensive player when he's on. The only person who can stop Zach Levine is himself in terms of his decision-making. Uh, but, you know, the Cavs game was a premium example of how awesome Levine can be as a shot-maker and as just a go-to crunch-time scorer. I would like to see him play a little more off the ball in an ideal role, but, you know, that's just not the role he's in with the Bulls. And uh, I was looking at some stats. You know, the leader in assists per game with the Bulls is Sadoransky at 5.2, and then it's Levine with 4. So we're not quite at the Shelvin Mack magic graphic where they tweeted <laughs> team leader 3.7 assists or whatever it was a couple of years ago uh, but they're close on that and you know I think it speaks a little bit to Lowry Markinen's trouble this year we can uh, transition to him so in the Sixers game when the Bulls lost Markinen was pretty good in the first half he had 12 points he was scoring efficiently in the second half he goes 0 for 2 from the field, does not score. He ends the game with fewer minutes than Thad Young. That's the eighth time this year. That stat comes from Darnell Mayberry, who wrote a great column on Markinen at the Athletic after the game. Uh, so, you know, Markinen on the season, his shooting has come up a little bit. He's actually up to 35% from three point range now after being well below 30% for a lot of this season. He's putting up 15 a game, uh, but, you know, last year he was at 18.7. His minutes are down from 32 to 30. I think that's been really disappointing. And, you know, just in general, Markinen hasn't taken that next step we were hoping to see in the 30 
year of his career. Uh, what are your thoughts on Lowry and sort of what do you attribute his struggles to, Jason? Right. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, we've been talking about him a lot this year. I mean, just looking at this month, January, uh, he's hit 20 points one time. Uh, he finally had to put up 14 shots in this Cavs game. He had 17 points, but then he only had three rebounds. He did have a couple steals, but just like not impacting the game in other ways really much either. Like he doesn't really get to the free throw line very much. He's only, only taking two free throws per game, basically. Uh, he's 15. He's at 15 and six right now. Like, which is and his efficiency has been okay. Like, he's 46 percent shooting, 36 percent from three. I mean, that's just like a nice role player. And we talked about this on our last like big picture pod, looking at the midway point of the season. We kind of t- threw a possible like extension number around. I think we were at like 460. Which I mean, right now he's basically just like a decent role player sl- starter. Like, and that's. I, I mean, if you. It's, I think it's got to be on everybody. I mean, I, I know Casey had those quotes after that. Uh, I think it was the, I don't know if it was the Celtics game. Yeah, I think it was the Celtics game, and he just kind of had a loss for words, like why he's not making more of an impact. I mean, the th- before these three games against the, the Cavs, he had nine shots against the Sixers, one fewer than Luke Cornett, which is ridiculous. Eight shots against the Wizards, nine shots against the Celtics, nine shots against the Pacers, and that loss uh, a couple Fridays ago. Just like he's just not being involved enough. Uh, I mean. I, He's, sometimes he'll say, oh, well, this is like the system we have. And I think you could probably put some blame on Boylan and the coaching. And, uh, I mean, you could probably, Zach, Zach not being that, being more of just a scorer and not as great of a decision maker in, in terms of like making his teammates better. The fact that they don't have like a high level point guard probably hurts. Sadoransky's been solid. He's been fine. But like, they don't have that high, like just a high level point guard who can break, consistently break defenses down and then may also make the right decisions. Obviously, Zach can shoot the hell out of the ball. He can score. He just doesn't always make those best, those great decisions. Uh, I guess it would be nice to see Lauer just being more aggressive in general himself. Looking, the, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say more post ups are the answer because he's not that great at them, but getting him going, going to the basket, getting more free throw attempts. And again, two free throw attempts per game this month, under two, free, and he had two in December as well. Earlier in this year, he was doing that a bit more. So it's just like it's just a whole. A whole litany of issues there with Lowry. Like I said, he's not bad. Like right now, he's basically just playing like a decent starter. And I think I mentioned this on the last possible. We just might have to start like just adjusting our expectations. Like we were hoping he could be like a top scorer on a good team. Maybe he's just going to be like a nice piece for the future. Obviously, who knows what. I mean, if the Bulls can continue to just keep losing games against good teams and they just have a kind of crappy record, maybe they look, look to make some changes in the next few years. But. I mean, Lowry was obviously a huge part of this rebuild. Uh, the fact that he has not taken that step and has just kind of plateaued is a big disappointment. It's a big reason why they're only 16-28 and 28 right now. So, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think is the biggest issue there? Yeah, I would like to see him getting downhill more often, coming off scur- curls. Uh, definitely not post-ups. That's not the strength of his game. It never has been. So I think what you can forget about feeding him the ball in the post and on the block, but uh, I like his that his three-point rate has been higher this year. Unfortunately, he was struggling so much to shoot the ball early in the season uh, that it really affected, I think, his confidence, and it affected his three-point percentage, but that's up to 35 now. Uh, again, he's shooting over 80% on free throws. Like He's a really good shooter, so I'm fine with him having a three-point rate over 50%. I'm fine having him take more than half of his field goals from three-point range, Uh, but they just got to get his confidence up, and they got to get him going towards the basket more often. I'd put him in the pick and roll, let him be the roll man. Yeah, Uh, I would have him, you know, running off some curls and getting him downhill when he catches the ball to have him going towards the basket. Maybe you can finally get to the free throw line a little bit. Uh, the idea that Lowry Markenden's a franchise cornerstone at this point, though, like you're just not going to have a good team if he's your second or third best player now. 
for all the reasons you previously mentioned, I do think that he could be more impactful, especially offensively on a different team. But in general, you know, I look at Markkinen's statistical profile and his assist rate hasn't gone up. His rebound rate has stayed pretty similar. Uh, his steal rate, his block rate have stayed similar. So he's basically the same guy he's always been. He's scoring a little yeah. bit more efficiently this year, actually, which is surprising given how poorly he was shooting the ball uh, at the start of the season. But in general, we haven't seen him improve too much since his rookie year. I do think the minutes thing is really disappointing. Darnell's been doing a great job tracking that. You know, in Lowry's rookie year, he averaged 29.7 minutes a game, and this year he's at 30.2. Like, this is not what you wanted coming into this season when I would have ideally liked Markkinen to lead the team in field goal attempts. At this point, it's pretty obvious it's Zach's team, and the Cavs game was a perfect representation of that because without Zach, I mean, the Bulls lose that game by— Oh, yeah. 20 points. No I mean, yeah, I mean, they were down. Right? They were down. Obviously, like, they were down 20. They obviously used their defense to help turn things around. Zach actually had five steals and a couple blocks in that game. So good for him for making an impact there. But yeah, I mean, the, I mean, Zach basically the bull for the Bulls win these days. It's basically they got to stay close and then they hope Zach bails them out down the stretch. Like that's basically how they win and they bum slay. Like that's that's basically it. <laughs> I also think this uh, like. Thad Young versus Markkinen thing is really stupid. Like, basically, the narrative right now is that since Thad Young, like, made his displeasure known about how many minutes he was playing, uh, the Bulls have been giving Thad minutes at the cost of Markkinen's minutes. Well, how about this? Don't play Luke Cornette 22 (laughs) minutes. Don't play Felicio 15 minutes. These are easy changes to make for Boylan, where you can play Markkinen at the five. Why not go to that card more often? They did it in crunch time against the Cavs. I think that helped them come back a little bit. Uh, So I would like to see more Markkinen and Thad together because I think they do complement each other pretty well. Like, the Bulls have terribly misused Thad Young this year, having him shoot so many threes, when in reality, he's at his best as a pick-and-roll finisher. I think that Markkinen can then space the floor on the other side of that and that they work well together. So I would like to see more Thad and Markkinen together, not Thad and Markkinen pitted against each other. Yeah, like Felicio played 14 minutes against the Cavs, minus 11, three fouls. And he's (laughs) terrible we we know he's terrible like and let me look he's played a few games now i think he played uh was it the he played in the sixers game he did have five points two of two whoop de do let's uh he was a minus sixers game he played 14 minutes it was a minus 16 like that's you're killing yourself by doing the playing him don't play him like you said play mark marketing played 29 minutes in that game cornet played 28 and felicio played 14 play marketing 35 minutes a game like what are you even doing here? Like, why is Cristiano Felicio playing any minutes at all? And he, he's clearly just a drain, drain on you. Just that, what is that? So that's last two nights, minus twenty-seven overall, and like eight, like twenty-eight minutes. It's basically the same plus-minus as the amount of minutes played. He played, I think, against the Wizards too. And Boylan had some dumb comment about how Chris like helped them win a game. Like, I think he played like five minutes, or he played a few minutes, and it was like a minus five. So like again, just a complete drain. Play Markkinen and Thad Young more. Get Markkinen's minutes up. Like, even if he's not the guy that we hoped he is or whatever, still, he should. Thirty minutes a game is ridiculous for him at this point. I know, like, you don't want to overplay guys, but like, Lowry's young. Young, he can play instead of twenty. What is it? Would you say he was at twenty nine? He's at thirty point two. He was at thirty two point three last year. Play him thirty three minutes a game. It would make sense. I mean, I, there definitely are like huge stretches of games where you're like, like, where the hell is Lowry? And he'll be like on the bench for like nine or ten straight minutes. Like, why? It's like not not it's not like a foul trouble thing. It's just he doesn't play him enough. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I, I totally agree. Like 
when Markinen had that big February last year that we talked about so much coming into this season, he was playing 35 minutes a game and averaging 26 points. Yeah. He has not even come close to those numbers this year at all. So really, that February looks like an aberration when we were hoping that you know that would be his actual value as a player. Uh, looking ahead at the rest of the week, Monday, they're at Milwaukee. Wednesday, they're home against Minnesota. That could be a win. Minnesota's really been struggling lately. Just traded Jeff Teague. Cats out. On Friday, they're home against Sacramento. And then on Saturday, they're at Cleveland. So uh, they're obviously going to lose to the Bucks. They've actually played the Bucks somewhat tough during certain stretches of this year, but uh, you would expect them to lose in Milwaukee, no doubt. And then, you know, home against the Wolves, home against the Kings at the Cavs. Jason, they could potentially go 3-1 and one this week. I mean, this feels like a two, a two and two. They're just going to keep me in around. They're going to be, they're going to lose some dumb game. I mean, the Kings are playing terrible, the Wolves are playing terrible, and the Cavs are obviously terrible. But the Bulls literally almost just lost to the Cavs at home. So like, if if one, they don't have Zach Levine playing miracle. The Bulls they would have gone what one and three this week, and they'd be totally screwed. I would guess they go two and two, but they, there is an opportunity here to go three and one and kind of stick again, stick around in this playoff. Thing. If they did go 3-1, and one, they'd be what? What are they right now? 16-28. So they'd be back to 10 games under 500. they They'd be 19-29. Like, yippee, I guess. Like, it, it, just, it just feels weird as a fan right now. Like, it, I don't want to say I was, like, I was like mad at yesterday's game, but just like, it just feel again, it feels like as good as it is, as nice as it is to see Zach play well and making this all push whatever, it just feels like they're spinning their wheels and that winning some of these games against bad teams and doing this bum sling, it's just, it's just going to, get them to a point where they think they're okay and that they've made this actual development when it's just Zach Levine basically going off against bad teams and then pulling out wins. And then when they actually play real competition, they lose and it's terrible. So like, I don't know. What would you get? What would you, would you think they'll go three and one or do you think they'll go two and two or worse? I don't know. They suck two and two probably. <laughs> uh, I just don't see how, the front office can take any satisfaction in this year. Like the only way they could spin this positively is if they're just not being honest. And there's, there's really been no silver linings for this year. Like that is one reason to root against Zach for making the all-star team is just so that the front office can't take solace in that. I think that's totally fair. I'm not really rooting for the bulls to make the playoffs, quite frankly. Like, I guess it would be nice for the players, but, uh, no, I don't think that management deserves that satisfaction of having a playoff team when the season has been as disappointing as it's been this year. And quite frankly, I don't think they're going to make it, even though they're only three and a half games back right now, uh, and they could go three and one this week, mostly because they've only beaten trash teams, and the three teams they've beat the most, they don't play again. So I don't think the Bulls are going to make a postseason run. They no, like I said, I, I think, I said this last night, I think they end up with like 32 wins. Right now, if they're 16 and 28, to get there, they'd have to go... 16 and 22 the rest of the season which i mean the schedule is tough they still have that march the end of the season is absolutely brutal i guess we'll see like what they'll have wendell back hopefully who knows what's going on with Otto porter jr but still like i mean they haven't beaten any good teams basically at all this year so that march is just a, a total gauntlet to finish the year february there's like one little easy stretch but they, I mean, they have a lot of hard games so like if they keep losing to bad teams they're gonna lose they're gonna rack up or to to good teams they're gonna rack up a, a bunch of losses there but again, if they keep beating, winning these games like last night where Zach Levine saves their ass and they beat the Cavs and the Wizards of the world, they're going to get to like 30, 32 wins and they're going to stay right there. And they're, like the nine, the eight seed will be like a, like a 36 win, win Nets team. Like 
I think that's the big like I would totally like I I'm not gonna say I'm not rooting for them to make the playoffs like if they actually turned things around and like were actually playing well and they like somehow got into like the mid to high I guess high 30s and wins which would take a huge turnaround then that, I think that would that's legitimately good them sneaking in like on a, like a sub 35 win team would be that's like that's bad that's bad I mean the best you could say is well it's nice to give some of these guys some playoff experience but like you're just gonna go and get worked by the Bucks and lose in four or five games and then the, and then they're gonna think everything's great oh we made the playoffs blah 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 but if it's with fucking 34 35 wins like that's not impressive at all like most most normal years like you're missing the playoffs by five or six games in that case the only reason they're still in it with this terrible record they have right now is because. The eight, the chase for the eight seed is a complete joke, and the, the team after the top six in the East, all these teams aren't any good. So it's like, it's just whatever. Like if we're if you're this the state the uh the bar should be higher. Like we obviously they obviously need to take a step to before they actually think about playing a championship level. But like I I just don't know where they'd go from there if if they somehow snuck in they get swept and then like. They'll try to sell that. They'll obviously, they'd obviously keep boiling around, and it's just like, where do they go from here? They'd still be working on that 2021 plan, like, but like, I don't know. Like, if they're actually going to make the playoffs, I want to see them actually earn it. <laughs> well said, Jason, and uh, I think that that about does it for us. Yeah. All right, this has been Cash Considerations. I'm Ricky. That's Jason. Thanks for listening. Oh, one one final point though. Bulls still we could kind of consider them financial champs though because I believe in merchandise the numbers came out and they were still like top ten despite being crappy. Which is that's like a whole rant we've gone on before. The Bulls huge brand, global brand, still sell a bunch of merchandise. Too bad they've sucked. That's why we get so mad at them. That's why we bring the fire and the passion and get angry at the Bulls because they should be so much better than they are. With fans, the fans deserve better. We'll see. But yep, that's it. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com